0: This is a HeadGum Podcast. Craig, you know the internet. I'm familiar with it. Can't live with it, can't live without it. Must live on it. (laughs) And if you are on the internet, I think that you should do it by way of our sponsor this week over at Squarespace. Mm. Squarespace is a website that helps you make websites that give you beautiful templates they give you drag and drop tools they give you 24 7 award-winning customer support and they make sure that you never have to patch or upgrade anything about your website ever you just make a website that looks good and then
1: it just stays good you can change it later if you want to but oh, yeah there's but no don't like have software to. that you need to keep up to keep yeah. the website up
0: uh, so let me tell you about some stuff I like about Squarespace. You know, Ooh. they let you do email campaigns that you can use to grow and engage your audience. Uh, create powerful email content that matches your website, Craig, with your existing products, blog posts, and logo. So your messaging is consistent and effective. Whoa. You can support your cause by collecting donations, gather contributions with PayPal, Apple Pay, Stripe, and Venmo. Mm. And they also give you analytics. You can gain powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they're interacting with your content. Uh, they give you tools, including uh, page view, data, traffic sources, time on site, most read content, audience, geography, and more. Craig, if all of these features sound great to you, and I know that they do, they do, too. uh, you should go to squarespace.com slash overdue, get you a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your purchase of a website or domain, squarespace.com slash overdue, use the offer code overdue to get off your purchase of a website or domain Squarespace.
1: Everybody, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. We've got a special episode for you here.
0: Special episode. boo 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 doo
1: We have a guest this week. Uh, a guest. Just <laughs> keep saying what I'm saying. Um, and we're going to talk about the secret lives of church ladies. Uh, we have a guest, Gloria Edom, from Well-Read Black Girl on to talk with us about this book to talk about her podcast and her work. Um we talk about anything else? That sounds like a, enough for a full episode, a book yeah, and another you know person's I mean, we, podcast.
0: We, yeah. <laughs> we might get into a couple other little things here and there, but yeah, I think that's the meat of it.
1: Yeah, we recorded this a little while ago, but it was really fun, and we've been kind of uh, excited to share it with you. We're finally uh, putting it out, so we're happy to share it with you. Again, if you're not familiar with, the, with Well Read Black Girl, um, it's a podcast that was recently launched by Gloria Edom on the Pushkin Network. Um, it's, it's a literary club and it covers authors and, and talks to authors about their work. Um, I specifically enjoyed the Anita Hill episode that I listened to a few weeks back. Um, but yeah, she talks about book club members, literacy advocates, black booksellers, authors. Um, it's a cool way to learn about what's going on in the publishing industry as well as books that have come before. So. You can find out more about Well Read Black Girl at wellredblackgirl.com or to search for the podcast Well Read Black Girl wherever you get your podcasts. But listen to this one first because we recorded it. We want you to share it.
0: Yeah, podcasts.
1: (music) Glory, thanks so much for joining us on Overdue. We were so excited to connect with you. We're so happy to have you here.
2: Oh, I'm happy to be here. I first want to say I love the name of your podcast, overdue. That's like so awesome because there's you. so many things in life that you want to do, but you never have time. Mm-hmm. So it's overdue, and then <laughs> and then like the library cards when you're at library book is overdue. Is that is there a connection there too? We were yeah,
0: we were very pleased with that with that double meaning, and it is much better than some of the other names that we we thought of before we arrived at overdue i think the my favorite one was dusty
1: bookshelves which is a much worse name for a podcast not not as
2: catchy not as catchy as overdue
1: (laughs) sounds like a character from a flannery o'connor story or something hi i'm dusty bookshelves (laughs) right, Um, but thank you that's very kind yeah for us this has been an interesting project to like read books that were on our bookshelves, but also get introduced to books that we didn't know about that, you know, someone uh, says like, this is something that you should read. This is something that should be in your in your uh, reading history. So maybe that's a great place to talk about uh, your history with Well Read Black Girl. And I'm personally just interested in what what was the motivation behind uh, the podcast? And what are some things you're hoping to do with the podcast that you haven't already done?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, Well Read Black Girl really started originally as a book club dedicated to Black women and their work, their literature, all of those things. And now that it's evolved into a podcast, I'm I'm hoping to get just like, more tender and more into the process of what it means to be an author and how, you know, one can be self-determined and self-disciplined and get the like work done. Like, what does it take to write a book? You know, like what mental fortitude do you need to actually like put words on a page and then it transforms into something that millions of people hopefully will read? You know, like I, I'm so inspired by that process and I was having such a great time in the book club, just talking to people and learning about, you know, why books motivate them and why they love certain characters. You know, we would just talk and talk and talk. And I, I wanted to be on the other side of it. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to know what the author was thinking and really get into the nitty gritty of craft and creative process. Um and so, yeah, now it feels like I'm like going back and forth in both worlds. I'm like, reader, writer, reader, writer. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I like that exchange of like, okay, as the reader, this is what I see. But then as the writer, like, this is what they're trying to evoke and the, uh, the feeling they're trying to pull out. So, I, it's been such uh, an incredible experience to just like witness people in their creation of like beautiful work
0: yeah that's it's a really cool like aspect of the of the process that we don't get to do too much. We've talked to a couple of authors before, but but mostly we're just responding to things as readers and we like try to bring in the author's perspective by reading like you know interviews and 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 reviews and things that that you know bring their their motivations into it but but yeah, it's. Uh, to have author conversations <laughs> is it's it's very different to had discuss someone's book in front of them i think i
2: would think oh yeah it's going to be nerve-wracking uh-huh. i'm like i'm always nervous i'm always nervous like am i asking the right question is this you know am i like you know getting to the heart of the matter like mm-hmm. i just and it's a good nervous feeling cuz i care like i really care a lot of, of get about getting it right you know mm-hmm. so It's, it's, it's like, but then when you do get it right, when they have that answer, you're just like, Oh my God, that happened to you when you were 12 (laughs) or like, Oh yeah. Like that sentence I read, like, I felt that, like, I totally knew what you were trying to, you know, like, like, yet you know like what you're trying to put down but Mm -hmm. I don't or sometimes it's the opposite like I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) and you know thank you for clarifying that and elaborating on what you what you were trying to you know have the character do so Mm -hmm. it's the back and forth but I mean all of it in all of it really is like just me being very curious about the work and I'm being curious about the author so I just start in that place of curiosity
1: sure from a place of curiosity segues i'm gonna ask you uh (laughs) glory why uh when we were talking about maybe what to cover for our show um why the secret lives of church ladies by disha philia was one of your suggestions
2: Oh, yes. Tisha is such an incredible writer. And she, like, I mean, she writes about everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she writes about gender. She writes about race. She writes about, po- like, parenting and culture. Like, all these amazing topics. But this book here just is, like... It's full of just warmth and like mystery and it leaves you just like questioning things. Like, is that what this really means? Like when even the title itself, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, it could be a little bit deceptive. You're like, is this going to be like some like religious, mm-hmm. you know, novel. And it's not that at all. Instead, you're really examining these lives of different black women who are, you know, trying to reconcile yearning and desire and who they should be in the world and how they should show up. And it becomes like a very universal s- story about belonging. Um, and and these identities that we kind of walk around the world holding like, I'm a teacher. I'm a mother. Uh, I'm a Christian. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all these things. And when you say that, like, what do you envision, and how should that person behave? And so, I thought it really became. Um, I, I thought it was just like oh, such a wonderful book for you to explore identity and, and like understanding the like the interior dialogue of black women mm-hmm. in, in a contemporary setting. And it actually reminded me a lot of Gloria Naylor's The Women of Brewster Place, which I love that book. It's like such a classic contemporary novel by Gloria Naylor and like chef's kiss like such a perfect book (laughs) and so they're like it's like a perfect pairing of this more contemporary space of what's happening in the 2000s like Mm. what are young black women doing and what are their desires um and you know as a young black woman i like i related to so many of the stories even Mm. if i didn't fully understand them there was kind of this essence of like i can see why that character might have made that decision or you know like I, they, yeah there's just it just felt very relatable, you yeah, know? yeah yeah
0: there's a um interview that she did uh with penn America that there's there's a quote from that that really like crystallized what the through line between all these like separate short stories is uh, she says. Uh, So for me, telling the truth about who black women and girls are and centering us in the narratives of our own lives is paramount. In particular, I wanted to challenge the idea that others, be it our families, the church, or the larger culture, should be allowed to dictate what is enough for us, what should satisfy us. I wanted to explore what happens when black women and girls push back against confinement and binaries, against the expectations and burdens others place on us. I wanted to tell the stories and secrets that we tell each other and ourselves when the only gaze is ours. And I thought that was really... Really interesting yes. and really like piggybacks yes. off what you were saying is, is great about her work. Yeah.
2: I I am like clapping, snapping and doing all the things because that is exactly <laughs> it. Like edit everything else I set out because that is what I was trying to say. It really, Deesha does an excellent job of just embodying who black women are in this current day and time and pushing against these like stereotypes Mm -hmm. and really these flat images of what black women want in life it's like no there we want to be unconventional and fearless and bold and have a sense of audacity and uh you can't tell me who i am i'm going to tell you mm-hmm. and that yeah. is what these stories do it's like actually this is what i want or maybe i want to like change my mind every two seconds and mm-hmm. that's okay too like mm-hmm. there's no one not like there's not like one way to be and mm-hmm. i appreciated that like so much it was just it was like yes like let let's push up Let's push back against everything. Let's talk about vulnerability, let's talk about sex, Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about affairs, affairs of the heart, affairs of the mind. like let's talk about it all and not have a, a expectation of what it should be. like mm-hmm. let's just like go in and some of the stories honestly made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was just I was struck by and we I know we want to do a little bit of background info but like it's nine stories I think it's like four different generations of women overall depending on the way the different characters are laid out they're all POV stories like even the ones that are a little formalistically experimental or a little off the beaten path they're still from a specific characters perspective and while, like what you said about the title, Glory, like, even though it is Secret Lives of Church Ladies, we never really spend a lot of time in church. We never really spend a lot of time, uh, with a few exceptions, with people from the church other than the people who are telling their own stories. And so mm. it's like a series of really intimate portraits of these, you know, multifaceted characters Um, Who are in interesting situations that bring up all sorts of issues. And yeah, it's not a novel about, you know, three to four women in a church and their struggles. It is much it is simultaneously like uh, broader, but also diving deeper on each individual perspective.
2: Right. Exactly. interesting. And, and it's it's a great format because I that's why I really enjoy short stories, too, because sure. that those like one singular stories allow you to get it's not always so dependent on plot. It mm-hmm. really is about the interior dialogue and what the character is thinking, how they're you know, these like one simple decisions have like larger impacts, you know, even just like the how the story collection begins, like the first story is just like it pulls you right in mm-hmm. and and you know like you have two characters who love each other which is very obvious but they have mm. completely different expectations on how they should live in the world mm-hmm. and they're in the, it's like there's a tension immediate tension but there's also love there and isn't that real life like there's mm-hmm. you can encounter so much tension in the things that you care deeply about because you care um and yeah, and I feel like that that like tension and suspense is in every like, oh, what is she gonna do? Why is she making this decision? Mm-hmm. And if would I do that as well? I don't know if you guys get that way when you're reading, like, what? <laughs> like, like would I do this if I was this
1: character? I, I think it's easier in a short story collection for me to enter that mode, honestly, because I I'm, I'm not tracking plot. I'm not tracking character development the same way. Right. Um and you know, for a lot of the books that we've read on this show, maybe like some genre fiction that's like a, cu- a couple of different volumes or whatever, we end up talking a lot more about what that character is doing and what mm-hmm. they're trying to accomplish in the story, or what the author is trying to set up and pay off. Whereas when it's a bunch of different slices of life, I think, and especially contemporary stories, yes, um, I certainly found it a little easier to access that of just like. Oh, what would it be like to be in this situation, or what would it be like to be in this space with that character? Sure. Um, I don't know either. Yeah, have I mean, a thought.
0: lot. Of, a lot of the time, that feeling hits me the hardest when we read like YA fiction.
1: Oh um, yeah,
0: because I can see like seventeen or eighteen year old me in some of those characters sometimes, and I can remember being that person and like being able to make those decisions like that and it makes right. me a lot of the times very uncomfortably embarrassed for, for
2: <laughs> the
0: person who I was like two decades
2: ago that's funny Yeah, but, but, but there's just so but then also there, I'm sure there's part of you that is just more like like more sympathetic to like yeah, you know, yeah. little you, like, you know? I,
0: I get it I wouldn't do that now and I wish you
1: wouldn't do it but I get it you know <laughs> I <get> it. yeah <laughs> um let's talk about philia real quick before we get into the book um and meet some of these characters uh what andrew correct me if if you any in your research um i'm skipping anything Mm -hmm. uh she's in her late 40s she got a ba uh, in economics from yale and Mm -hmm, then went on to get a master's in teaching from manhattanville college was working in the pittsburgh area i think that's where she lives now even though she's from jacksonville florida yeah um and was working in, like, communications for banks. You know, just normal writer things, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and then, as you referenced, her first book was about... Uh, was called Co-Parenting 101, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Two Households After Divorce. Yeah, she and I was, I
0: was sort of fascinated by that. It came out in 2013, so several years ago. And she wrote it. She, like, co-wrote it with her ex-husband. Which is mm-hmm. just, like, I know how hard it can be to like collaborate creatively on something and what what a strange interesting relationship that that is to like like, let alone your
2: like your ex (laughs) yeah Yeah, right
0: (laughs) but uh, you know I haven't I haven't read that book but like as a parent I can imagine it's a really interesting valuable resource because like how many you know divorced parents can actually Still, like cooperate on such a <laughs> on a level like that to 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 come up with a work like that. So I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Um, uh, she's written a lot of other stuff that's been you know, articles and essays in New York Times, WaPo, McSweeney's. Um, she was a columnist for Literary Mama, which I think may have preceded the co-parenting book. I, I might be mistaken there. Um, she's a Cambilio Fiction Fellow, mm-hmm. 2223, the Grisham Writer-in-Residence at University of Mississippi. And then this is her debut work of fiction, um, yes. published in 2020. I almost said last year, but it's 2022 it's not, now because nope. <laughs> time keeps marching on. Um, and I think one of the... I was talking to my wife about this recording. She's like, oh, yeah, we read that last year for book club. Because it was, you know, it was finalized. It was a finalist for the National Book Award. It received a couple of other prizes, uh, L.A. Times, Penn Faulkner. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it started, I think, as, or at least the impetus for it, a novel that she started in 2007 about a, like, pastor's wife, woman in the church mm-hmm. and she kept stalling out on it mm-hmm. and didn't really know where to take it. And then wrote, um, at least one of the stories that made it into the book and her publisher was, or agent was like, just start cranking out stories and let's see where this goes.
0: Yeah. And I think some of them appeared in some form, if not in their exact
1: form in other publications first, which yeah. happens
0: a lot with short yeah. story collections. Um, the only other thing, she, she also oh, won
2: the story prize, Right. Yes, yes, she won yes, the story yeah. prize. You're right.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this this book got uh, – it's being adapted uh, for HBO Max as of like early 2021. And, and she is one of the executive producers on it. And yep. uh, yeah, I think it's going to – short story collections can lend themselves pretty well to a bunch of different types of TV shows. Like do you do – do you pick out one story and do a whole show based on those characters? Does is each episode kind of its own little story all by itself? I'm curious to see how they how they adapt it.
1: Andrew, I love talking to you.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm great.
1: It was an opportunity for you to say I love talking to you too, but you know, you
0: No, let... no, this is good. This is fine. Yeah. Okay. I like it.
1: I know that you mean it. Um, So (laughs) sometimes talking to your friend is what you need. Sometimes talking to somebody else is what you need. So let me tell you. Especially
0: uh, if your friend is kind of a
1: jerk sometimes. Let me tell you about our other sponsor this week, BetterHelp, which makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist whom you can send a message to at any time and you can schedule weekly sessions over video or on your phone. Some folks are like really burned out with video stuff and I know that the the phone call option is really useful. Uh, it's affordable, financial aid is available, and the service is available to clients worldwide. I want you to have someone to talk to and start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com slash Overdue. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp.com better slash Overdue. Should we dive into the book? Where should we start? Do you want to start at the beginning? It's not a book that needs us to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, a my,
0: <laughs> we've read a couple of short story collections uh, for the show. And I feel like Craig and I were talking about how to, how to like, conversation starter, icebreakery kind of questions. And, like, my experience of them is always, like, there are some just, like, really big, you know, anchor stories that have like you know especially memorable like formats or or characters or um or events that that happen in them and then there are some usually like shorter that are just like really quick and to the point and they're just kind of creating a vibe or like reinforcing the themes if that makes sense so i guess i was wondering if we all just all wanted to talk about One of the big stories that really, like, if when we think about this book, like six months from now, a couple years from now, like which story will you will come to mind first?
2: Okay, Um, we could talk like yeah, and I could also like I can share a favorite, and I could say, and I I think the anchor story for the collection is Peach Cobbler,
1: Mm -hmm. sure, which
2: you know it's it's one of the longer stories as well, and and I think the the conversation between the mother and the, the daughter. Brings us back to that tension of Mm -hmm. just, you know, the principles of who each of these characters are. Like, Olivia has a very clear idea of how, what, right and wrong how you should live your life, although she's very, very young. Mm -hmm. And her Mm -hmm. mother is like, okay, like you think you know, but you really don't. Like you haven't, you don't (laughs) have enough lived experience to comment, to judge, to really even take up space in this conversation. So sit down. Mm -hmm. So like you, like you have like the life experience angle, but then you have the mother and daughter dynamic, which is so complicated. Like I am a daughter. I'm now a mother <laughs> <laughs> and I could see both sides. I could totally see why the daughter would be angry and like come to her, her mother with all this conviction. And then I also see the the, do- the mom like mind your business, uh-huh. you know? Um, and just like the, the, yeah, just like also the the sexiness of it too. It's just like there, is, there there is this kind of like, ooh, like should I be reading this? Like this is like a little inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, which I also I think for me it speaks to just like my I'm I think that like I'm a free spirit, but actually when I read something I'm like, "Oh, I'm conservative. I am traditional." <laughs> <laughs> I was like reading some of these things, and I'm like, oh, like I would like look around, like, can anyone else see me reading this? Is this inappropriate? Mm -hmm. But really, nothing was scandalous or vulgar. It just was like real life, and like I happened to be reading about two people having sex Mm -hmm. or doing something really provocative, you know. And so, like all these kind of moments, I think with that story, like stood out for me. It's just like there's there's a lot happening. Yeah, there's definitely like a
0: a sort of sexuality to the way that she describes just the the feeling of the the cobbler itself like when she's especially that that scene earlier so her for people who haven't read the book her mother makes these uh peach cobblers once a week when the pastor from their church comes over to eat the entire cobbler and then have sex with her yes um and on weeks where he doesn't bec- come over because he is you know he's cheating on his his wife and there are you know weeks or months where he just he just doesn't come but she makes the cobbler every week anyway she throws the cobbler out instead of letting anybody else eat it so there's one particular night where the trash bag was fresh when the cobbler got thrown away so she like gets out of bed and like goes to to dig into the trash and eat this like delicious cobbler that she never gets to to have for herself, and just like the 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 language that she uses to describe how it feels, and then also like the the forbiddenness and transgressiveness of it, I thought was was interesting. That that really stood out to me.
2: Yeah, it, but it's peach cobbler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also that. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, ooh, like what is happening right? Here? I mean, the first sentence of the story is, "My mother's peach cobbler was so good it made." god himself cheat on his wife like that's some good ass peach cobbler okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) what and what i love about that opening line is it it sounds like it sounds idiomatic right it's it's like it's this young girl's understanding um of what this peach cobbler can do but then as the first few pages go on she admits to the reader that like she thought this man was God. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And yes. one
1: of the hilarious ways in which she thinks he is God is that her mom yells, Oh God, from the bedroom <laughs> after cobbler time. Yes. And it's, it's this like wonderful encapsulation of like, okay, this is what's going on in this ha- in this household. Mm-hmm. This is how powerful and and amazing this food is and also this main character, this perspective, this person still has to grow. There is stuff that they don't understand. So like I learned in that first page that this woman is going to come into this girl is going to come into knowledge that is going to like change how things work in her family and you're kind of just waiting for that shoe to drop, whatever right. it might be, which mm-hmm. is really Really well done. Mm-hmm.
2: It's it I mean, it's excellent because it just shows her innocence and her and just her like, you know, there is a time in your youth when, at least for me, I believes everything. Like mm-hmm. I did not expect people to lie to me. And yeah, so I me. was just like baffled by that. Like, oh, like you someone cannot tell you the truth. Someone can deceive you, manipulate mm-hmm. you. Like that was not something that was Yes, I could be like I was an naive, naive person, but also I was twelve. You know, yeah. like like I think there, like there is something about that's so good and earnest about wanting to trust other people and not that like space not being tarnished yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she hears these things, and and like in a child's mind, that person must be God, and that makes sense. And as a reader, that like when you make that connection, you're just like, oh wow, like, she's so young; she doesn't understand yet. Mm-hmm. But even in that misunderstanding, like she still has really. Uh, She's really judgmental, you know. She has, <laughs> yeah, she just she is. Like, <laughs> so you're just like, okay, girl, like, come on, you gotta, you will understand this as you evolve, as you become a young adult. Mm-hmm. But right now, you don't know. But you don't even know how to reconcile that because mm-hmm. this is your mother, an adult figure, an uh, elder in your life that you're supposed to listen to and respect. And then there's God, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> who's like above everyone else, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's just so well done, so well constructed.
1: The other the other thing about the like structure of it, too, is so this man is the pastor of their church. Her mother is like kind of controlling. They are not well off. They you know, they are basically subsisting on uh, money from the pastor um, to keep the lights on and stuff like that. And so her like, you know, there's that part early in the story where when she's a she's invited to a birthday party. And she hears her mom, her mom says, no, you can't go. And she hears her mom and the pastor arguing about whether or not she should go. And her mom has all these ideas about, well, if she goes to this, these people's fancy house, then she's going to want more. She has to learn to be good with, you know, with the crumbs essentially is is the metaphor. Um, And then we also meet, we do wind up like spending time with the pastor's wife when she, uh, when the daughter's like enlisted to be a tutor for their son. And right. it just complicates like what a family dynamic can be for her. And yet, even as the story moves to her, like ultimately rejecting the life that her mother has built for herself and saying, I will not be like you. The book, never the sh- the story rather doesn't show us moving on to anything, her yeah. moving on to anything else. It like ultimately ends on a like, and then she just kind of, had to keep living her life in this house with her mom which was a really interesting way to end it.
2: I which I I that was another thing I really appreciated because that is so reflective of real life. Sometimes yeah. things blow up, change cir- like your circumstances can change drastically. And you still have to be in it. Sometimes you don't have the ability to change things. And this young girl, she's she's a child. What can mm. she really do to change the dynamics of her life? Like mm. she can't like pick up and get a new apartment. Like it's that's not <laughs> happening, <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> like it's like that's not happening just yet. Uh, but I think that was just like a great illustration of – Sometimes you can't, even though you have this new realization or this new knowledge, you have to still sit in the circumstance and be um, not OK, but be resolved on what it is and, mm-hmm. th- you know, and make your decisions from that. Um, and it's a short story. Like I, I like I feel like there's so many short stories that kind of leave with that kind of dun-dum, you know, <laughs> like you don't know, like you have no idea what's going to happen next. And you kind of have to sit with the repercussions of what the mm-hmm. author leaves you, you mm-hmm. know.
0: Yeah. For sure. um, and then the other things that like to to talk about the bigger themes of the book, I guess, like the, the things the story explores, is like there there are a lot of troubled mother daughter relationships in this book, mm-hmm. um, and even though you know you like like we mentioned earlier, you don't spend a lot of time in the church, but I think a lot of the characters who you meet are in some kind of conflict with the church or mm-hmm. you know what the church is teachings are supposed to be. So in, in this, you know, you have the, the pastor who is stepping out on on his wife. In a lot of the other stories you um are talking uh you're you're in the head of like gay characters who are who are, you know, going against the teachings of the, of the church in in that way. Um you have people there's I think it's the last story with the you know the mother and the daughter who's named yep. capital D daughter. Yep. <laughs> and just talking about her Mom who loved the who uh, loved Eddie Levert of the OJs, which is the mm-hmm. uh, the Love Train band, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> among other things. But I, I will always know them for the Love Train, but um, <laughs> Love train. how she you know she converted uh, relatively late in life and how it sort of alienated her from her her friends that she had before she, mm-hmm. but she didn't like socially really fit in so much with the people at the church either and and there's this specific line let me see if I can pull it up
1: I'm glad you're pulling this up Andrew I'm buying time for you to do this because Quickly, this I yeah. was I was scanning through my notes and like rereading parts of that story really stood out to me in terms of how these two characters have been isolated even though her you know her mother's life should have changed dramatically uh, or maybe even did when she joined this church, Mm -hmm. but that community that she could have found support from did not show up or decided to. Yeah, go go ahead.
0: ahead. No, I just, the the line I I found that I, that really struck me. um, What mama had was the love of Jesus whose touch daughter imagined was too ephemeral to quench anything, a quieter, more passive lover than the men she brought into her bed, but who nevertheless demanded everything. And I think that's just a really neat encapsulation, both of the mother's relationship to the church and the daughter's relationship with, with the church. Like, there's an, another another line a bit earlier on where she says, you know, years later, daughter wanted no part of the church or brown liquor because they had both made her mama cry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah.
0: the way that these characters are defined, like, relative to the church, even though you don't spend a lot of time there, is is really fascinating, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's even- just a... Go ahead, Gloria. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, even in the other story that has like a, a young girl protagonist, is it Jael? Who I, I didn't, I didn't, that was probably the story that I was like the least, it's going to be least memorable for me. That was the young woman who's in, uh, whose friend like strikes up a relationship with a guy in his 30s. And it's the multiple perspectives with her and her great grandmother. She mm-hmm. has feelings about, the pastor's wife and so her grandma her great-grandmother pulls her out of attending church actually and that one felt i don't know there was it didn't have the same complications for me as peach cobbler did even though it was a character that could have been in a similar situation um and i i read the that one also ends with like the most dramatic like conventionally dramatic event where yeah. a guy's <laughs> house blows up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, You're like,
2: I didn't see that coming, but okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it's like told sort of obliquely. So it's not happening in a conventional plot way. Um, and that's the only one, I think I, I pulled a review quote. I'm going to try to find it. Um, it says, while well, Philia occasionally gets ahead of herself, this is from Publishers Weekly, mm-hmm. about, uh, in the story about a teenage girl who takes revenge on a 35-year-old sexual predator, the Slim story loses power from its multiple point of view shifts. Um, for the most part, she soars notably in How to Make Love to a Physicist about a woman's liberation from generations of body hatred. We'll talk about that story, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really effective. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Gloria, what was your... What was your response to how she handles perspective in this book? And yeah, to Andrew's point, like how that does and doesn't connect us to where church is in the book. Yeah,
2: I think that's a great question. Like to go back to the the Eddie LaVert story, there's yeah. a line at, towards the end where the daughter is saying, you're not a nobody mama. And then the mama's like, oh, yeah, well, who am I then? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the question that she poses in, in every story. Like, mm. who, who am I? Like, who is the... the like." What are they yearning? Like, what are they trying to accomplish in life? And when things don't go as planned, how do they recover? How do they just, like, make – find meaning for themselves? Like, they're felt to be – so much lostness like people felt lost Mm -hmm. in the church in their and beyond just the structure of the church but in their faith they Mm -hmm. felt like they were like how can i be more connected to my my own intuition how can i let go of self-doubt how how can i move in the world if i don't have eddie lavert or if i don't have (laughs) jesus to kind of like guide me (laughs) you know then like who, who am i and i think that is like the biggest question for for all of us like How, if I'm not my title as an author or my title as an educator or fill in the blank, whatever profession, who are you? And what guides you? Like, what are your principles? And so many, we have our faith practices because it steadies us. It gives us a sense of being. And um, we don't have to like, you know, rely on our egos and be validated from like the outside world. But that's a hard thing to come by Mm -hmm. when you don't have a place to begin. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I think that what is... um, and um, you know, unless you were like raised in the church, and if you step away from the church, like what does that look like? You yeah. know, I think that's what she's constantly posing to the reader for mm-hmm. you to kind of to, like don't judge, like like move, take off your like judgy hat, and be <laughs> and, like, and just be open to the possibilities of the the character's flaws and mm-hmm. their vulnerabilities.
1: What did you think about the different like how she used perspective differently? Across the stories, because we've gotten a few versions of mother daughter, most of which are that we've talked about so far, that are most of which are like daughter giving us windows into things. But that's not the only device that she uses.
2: Yeah, I think her perspective, it's like she has such a great, just a great skill set for dialogue. Mm. And I think that's what really kind of moves the stories about because she can get into the the characters talking to one another. They come across very authentic and mm-hmm. very just like very solid. They don't seem like scattered people. Even with that story with the um, with a young girl, mm-hmm. like like she was able to kind of get into like a young girl's. Um, untetheredness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just like being completely irrational and impulsive and like making a decision. And it leads to something that most likely will have much larger consequences, (laughs) but she gets, she gets to the, that feeling immediately in her writing. It feels very swift. Mm Yeah. And I think that with all the perspectives in the book, there is an urgency in her writing. Like you can understand their motives and their inspirations or just like their, their flaws too. Mm -hmm. And they, it doesn't, they don't seem, um, they don't seem false. So I'm mm. like, like, this is a crazy decision to make, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna go along with this. I trust this. You know, all her all her like narrators feel reliable in their mm. own like kooky way. And part of it too is like I'm not from the South, because a lot of the spaces um also take place in the South too. So sure. like they're like I'm not and I didn't like I, I grew up Presbyterian which is a very more buttoned up <laughs> traditional <Sure. laughs> like like vibe. And so when I'm reading this, like when I even get – the churches are more like – they feel, feel like more Baptist to me, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, which mm-hmm. is more energy, a little bit more vocal. And even though I didn't like grow up in that same um, background, I – in church, I think, in general, whether you're Catholic or Baptist or Presbyterian, there's a devotion. Like, I felt like all the devotion that the characters were displaying, like, they want to be better people. They want to be devoted to God. And if they don't, they want something to replace that immediately, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, her like her perspective work and her, um, the way that she writes dialogue, I just was like always impressed i was like okay i can see it i can see yeah. I, I could even like see the revisions in it and if that makes sense too just hmm. like like i felt like there could have been multiple endings or different ways like um, you know stories could have gone like i liked how she used the letter format in dear sister mm-hmm. and that's a great how playful. Story, yeah. so great so playful like look, all the different voices like i saw each sister very clearly and i could also see the sister who would, would get the letter and read it yeah and yeah, you know yeah. and how she could be like oh you know taken back like oh my gosh i'm getting this. Letter. Who are these people? Why? You know? yeah. But I like, I, I don't know if that was even her intention intention of seeing, like seeing the person who's like not in the page, like she's the one holding the letter, mm-hmm. but I was able to visualize her too. So like that, I mean, that just tells you how engaged you get into the store, her That's a Yeah. yeah I was, was, I was really, going to bring go that ahead, one
0: her. up as, as a really good, like standout perspective story. Just, it, she captures so well, like the, the warmth and also the messiness yes. <laughs> of that, of the relationship between the sisters of the relationship that each individual sister had with their dad. Like it was, just, it's really, uh, really effective. And she does it. So like economically.
1: Yeah. Well, and the, the structure of that, right. Is it's a group of sisters, this, this, so the story is called dear sister. It's a group of sisters whose father has passed away and they learned that there's another sister of theirs that they don't know. So I think it's Nichelle has decided to write a letter to her to like, tell them about her and he was not a good father to any of them um and i think it's ultimately a story where they kind of you know it argues and Nichelle argues that we don't have to be defined by this person who failed us um and we can be defined by our relationships to each other and what we've done for each other even when it's not perfect um and it's just I was struck by how much it felt like I was reading a novel like Nichelle feels like a writer who's (laughs) like I'm gonna write this story for you the way that she puts dialogue in a letter because as you like that format could be way less conventional as fiction like material prose right 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 Um, it really stood out to me. Yeah. it's
2: such a great story and it's so like so tender too like mm-hmm. the I really loved how she uh, weaves in the grandmother yes. and like mm-hmm. all these like little nods to the grandmother and like grandma said this and grandma has these dreams and I, I don't know if you know about this but this thing happened to me I didn't tell anybody but grandma said it was true like it just was so <laughs> yeah. like it was so sweet about like an Easter egg and it felt like real family you know mm-hmm. I'm like that is mm. when you know families whether they're they feel like positive or negative experiences families are so complicated there's so many multiple voices in your family you know um and and like it was just illustrated so perfectly of just like this complicated uh, you know family and this father and even you know the sister Renee loves her daddy even though he didn't you know he didn't do anything Mm but for like you know but like she's she was devoted and very dedicated to her father and this idea of him and she even illustrates that it's just it's such a good story Mm -hmm. um
1: and that's one of the ones I can't I don't have the quote in front of me, but there was an interview with Philal where she talked about like the characters shouldn't be just because they are church ladies like that's not a limiting thing to to refer to them as, and she kind of that was one of the stories that really worked for me as a like here's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on for these folks that you might you know if you met them once. You know, at a church function or on the street after one, you'd be like, "Oh, they're a church lady." And then, like, "No, here's this whole rich family history. Here's like twenty years of different conflicts and ways we've resolved them, and hopes and dreams." Um, That seemed, and I think that's probably the one with the largest cast of characters.
2: Yeah, that I can think of. I think you're absolutely right, and I think like to go back to the title, like when you hear the word church lady, you are not mm. thinking of sex. Right. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean? <laughs> and so like it, it was even in why in my own nature, I'm just like, why don't we like every you know, everyone's doing it, you know? Like and it's a normal healthy <laughs> thing to do. Like mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing, but like when we think of sex, like why does it have to be like just like this physical, like you don't think Sometimes like sex is like you're like people take away the intimacy of sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is an intimate act, Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful like when you're when it's done with care and tenderness, it's like a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And it's so like why why are those things like church and sex? Why why are they like the opposite? It's like no, like actually like like, you know that's. so we have children and do other it's, like it's, it's like it's a good thing you know but we are so conditioned to think that like, anything sex could be bad and it's not yeah. like a like a warm loving act and so to so put that sentence or that word in this um you know the secret lives i, I know that it doesn't say sex in the title mm-hmm. but the secret lives of, yes. of of church ladies but like to think about them having sex or doing things that could be like unconventional or surprising or mm-hmm. just like a little bit like like a burst of just like life you know Mm. like they like you don't have to be like this contrite person to like to be a part of the church like Mm -hmm. you can be full of joy and happiness and intimacy and love like there could be so many layers to i don't even know what i'm saying anymore but yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i just think like there's just like so many there's so much more but what Disha does is like she takes a word and deconstructs it in a different way and mm-hmm. takes an identity and like pulls it apart so you can investigate the, the, the person and the character just in a more fuller way, mm-hmm. you know?
1: The, when Andrew laid out the like which stories are memorable versus maybe which stories kind of contribute to the overall vibe and theme of the book, mm-hmm. like structure and response that we had, I thought I was, you know – I don't know. I think I thought I might not remember the not Daniel story as much Uh because like plot wise, that's one of the simplest it's, you know, two people, a woman and a man who both of their mothers are in hospice care and they're kind of waiting for those lives to end. And they end up connecting with each other and having sex in a car in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. And I can't stop thinking about that story now because it's like, it's just a very, uh, tender conceit and it is all about that circumstance and even though most like there's not much that happens in that story except some people share some moments together on the page for us like it's yeah um but that's kind of one of the things that she's able to do with having a bunch of stories together like mm-hmm. this is she can just kind of like bop over there tell that story and then bop somewhere else
2: yeah yeah yeah, that, that story, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just made me sa- – it made me feel really sad. Mm-hmm. And it made me think so much of when you are going through a difficult thing, how you – like there's a yearning that you have because mm-hmm. you just want to be comforted. Like, you want comfort immediately. And if yeah. both of – like the people that you love, the people that typically comfort you are – dying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you feel that? And there's also some things to be said about having this affair because they can't find the comfort from, you know, maybe their, their current partners Mm -hmm. because those current people don't fully understand. They have an understanding because both their parents are dying, yeah. you Mm -hmm. know? And so that immediate connection is enough. And then followed by the lust and the attraction and Mm -hmm. just like the, like the, you got to feel something. You got to fill that, that void. Yeah. And so it just made me really sad to think that like, like, oh, like they're they're like clinging on to each other in such a way because they're they're losing their parents, and I've lost a parent, and I know that's just like it's a it's a very it's a you know it's a devastating and the way that they they're,
0: yeah they're and aside from even like I I thought the way that she brought them together aside from just like you know having their parents dying like the the way that she describes you know they are both of them in their respective families like the siblings who show up to to Mm. do everything there they are both the ones who are on the phone all the time with these insurance companies and you know dealing with all this like kafka-esque like paperwork nightmare that comes with having you know people in in a hospital or or you know a, a nursing home long term um and just that they don't need to talk about that stuff. They can both just understand exactly how the other one is feeling without needing to communicate it, and that is part of what is bringing them together. And yeah, I, I like the I, moment. Yeah,
1: I like the moment where after they sleep together, and you know he 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 did a good job um, <laughs> there, and <laughs> the, the, the word, goods were
2: delivered. <laughs> yes, the goods right, were delivered. Exactly. That's what that's what he says,
1: and and the her response to that is to say that she feels relieved. Yeah. And he, like, questions, like, is that, uh-oh, then maybe I didn't do a good job. And she's like, no, actually, like, that's exactly the the feeling that she is yearning for is, is yeah. anything that will feel like relief mm-hmm. because yes. they're in this, like, liminal space. They are doing this in their car while their phones are on the dashboard in case they get the call. Yeah, with the volume right. turned all the way up, right? <laughs> yep. Right. Um, and he he is the one, I guess, like, the change or the gift that is given in that is him being, like when when this kind of thing is happening, like I have to be able to not expect the call. Like mm-hmm. he had to like be in an emotional place um, and he got there physically by like, you know, where he is not worried about that phone ringing. And that yeah. is a, a thing that they are both really hungry for.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, there's a great line where she's talking about how like they don't need like the empty platitudes or the theology that God's will of God's will disguised as comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. And that—that that, and that I thought that was like, oh, that's a good sentence because <laughs> you know, some, sometimes people like repeat these quotes or they say these things. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's not always sincere. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that's like, that's what it feels like when you're going through a really challenging thing and people are just saying things, <laughs> and, you know? And it's just like, you can't disguise a thing. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. And you can't, understand something sometimes unless you go through it Mm -hmm. so sometimes you haven't gone through the thing but you're just saying it it's like this is not helping but these two individuals they know they know if they say something that's going to be well received because they have a a mutual understanding and she does a great job of just Mm -hmm. showing that so so good even the title not daniel is hilarious
1: (laughs) just i i love it because that is a very human thing is to like to meet someone and define them by someone that they'll never meet ever because they remind you of them or something like that is very well done. Mm -hmm. Um, I know as we wrap up, I like the only other story I want to make sure we shout out. I mentioned how to make love to a physicist. I liked that as like a use of second person. It's an interesting depiction of like therapy and, um, a woman getting to like, overcome her you know actually not overcome but like deepen her relationship with her body and build a positive relationship with her own body Mm -hmm. Um, but the one I really wanted to shout out was instructions for married Christian husbands
2: oh my gosh yes uh, which
1: is like written as a you know almost as if you're going to an Airbnb and you get the manual for like how to take care of it um, and how to operate the thermostat and stuff
2: (laughs) And where the Wi-Fi code is. Yeah, right.
1: there is <laughs> so a good. there is a Fire
0: TV stick if you would like to uh-huh. log into your Netflix.
1: <laughs> it fair. has Amazon but not Hulu. Mm-hmm. Like, get ready, um, um, and it's it's a
0: sequel kind of to the to the cobbler story right because you get just that one line in there where she mentioned specifically that she makes great peach cobbler and
2: yes it's Olivia grown up yeah. mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. and I thought that
1: added a whole another layer to <laughs> I it. saw a, I saw a quote from her where she she did not plan that that was a thing that happened kind of naturally as she wrote this story she was looking for other perspectives and one thing that had come up in some of the other pieces was um, you know these men stepping out or you know women who were who's you know just open relationships and, and things like that and she wanted to write a story from the perspective of someone uh who was not in a marriage and that other people were sleeping with her yeah um and this is just an interesting way to give that person so much power is to yes. have that person be giving instructions to married christian husbands <laughs>
2: It's great because it's like she completely reclaims her agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she says, like, you know, if I stop texting you, it's for the best. I made <laughs> the decision. You know, like, even the last line, your departure. Like, okay, put, <laughs> yeah, go put your ring back. Tread until you're back on dry land. Because when you're with me, you're just swimming. You're swimming <laughs> in, in everything. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a brilliant way to just show the – um Just, like, show how multifaceted she is when it comes to style and Mm -hmm. how she's, like, willing to just play with form and take, like, lots of risk on the page. Like, each story feels like its own individual risk and could be a full novel. All these stories could be full novels, Mm -hmm. like, chapters upon chapters. but this story was, I thought it was fun. It's also really funny. Like, that's one thing that I think we haven't talked about. Like, these stories are really funny. Like, you're kind of like, like chuckling out loud. Like, I definitely was in my group text. Like, girl, did you see that? Like, (laughs) did you agree? You know? Um, The the
1: part in that story that literally made me laugh out loud um, was there's a section on like, you know, what their connection is going to be, the basics. And why, she says, like, why do you turn me on? It's that you want me when there are so many reasons you shouldn't. That turns me on. Your hunger, your deprivation turn me on. I don't care why your wife won't sleep with you it's satisfaction enough simply knowing she won't all the risk is yours but i'll wade into it with you i've always enjoyed playing in the deep end end, and then then line break parking there is (laughs) on-street parking in my neighborhood i recommend you park at least one block away the nearby business district provides a convenient (laughs) alibi (laughs) genius because she she like it's it's very impressive from her as the author and then also the character who is like, listen, man, I know the role I'm filling in your life, but that doesn't mean that I am part of, I am part of your life any more than you're part of mine. Right. And it's just the ways in which she's able to get that across were so funny and impressive.
2: Yeah, yeah, so great. There were like so many great like little side notes too. It's like there it's like note, if if you want to get caught, as some of you do, because you don't have the courage to pull the plug on your marriage directly, ignore these precautions. <laughs> you know? It's like it's so great.
0: Yeah, so, I, I liked all that and I liked as a as a follow up to the story about Olivia, I like how You know, we mentioned like how how powerful she is. She is in the like the pole position here. And that, in in (laughs) fact, is what she is part of what she is getting off on. And she there's the section, your religion, um, saying, uh, do not attempt to witness to me or invite me to church. Don't ask me to repent because I regret nothing. You can't save me because I'm not in peril.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like (laughs) I'm
0: doing what I want and I feel fine about it. Don't bring your hang ups to me please yeah <laughs> so so, yeah fun. like don't come
2: here yeah that's so great mm-hmm. and it again, like power like how one can reclaim their power how they can just feel just like you know it's almost like a good like you know, there, she puts up the middle finger a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, don't come to here preaching with your, your scriptures and this that, and the third, because I know the real you. Like, mm-hmm. I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't like pretend in this space. So it's so good. She's, a, she's I've said it like a million times in this interview, but she is brilliant and I mean it. Like, she's great.
0: <laughs> well, it's the kind of story that like talking about it with other people is like, oh, wait, that is awesome. <laughs> like, there's, I have all the lines that I brought, but everything that we've all read, I think, on, on the show so far has been really really good so yeah it's, yeah. it's a it's a challenging book in a, in a lot of spots but it there there's a lot of fun here too i think
2: yes yes
1: um as we wrap Gloria i thank you for suggesting this book to us we clearly had a great time um and it's been great chatting with you about it
2: yeah thank um, you for reading this has been this has been great so i've really enjoyed it <laughs> good
1: um so we we put on our feel a while ago like a preview of your show but it's only if you know you've only had a few episodes out um i'm just gonna like spoil a tiny tidbit of your anita hill episode if you don't mind as like a an entry into a question okay uh i was just really struck by your rapid fire segment with her where you asked her about superpowers and she said the most amazing talk about amazing answers she was like i Want not to see the future, but to meet someone and immediately know their past, oh, yes. which is just an outstanding. So good. Mm-hmm. So two questions are like, what? Just what was that interview like, or what has your experience been in interviews you've done thus far? And then, what are you excited to talk about on the show moving forward?
2: Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. It was such an honor to speak with Anita Hill. Like she is an icon, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just so generous and loving. And I... I just was floored by talking to her and to to get to know like a more gentler side of her too. Like I feel like we know we have her like sitting in the courtroom. We know who she is as a lawyer, as a Mm -hmm. professor. So I just was really honored to speak with her. And um, it's been my favorite interview thus far. I know we're not supposed to pick our favorites, but you know, (laughs) I like, I really was just so like, oh my God, I can't believe this is even happening. Um, But on top of that, I just think that every conversation that we're having on the show is going to be getting into their people's personal journeys and how they became writers what really inspires them and what are their rituals like i really want to know like what you wake up the tea that you're drinking what like what memes are you looking at on (laughs) on the internet like i really want to get into their personalities and everything that happens before they start writing these incredible books like what what's that process like so that's going to be a lot of the conversations and also like the, the giving back because they're giving us so much as readers mm-hmm. like how can we give them like what do they need to continue to stay motivated how can we nurture and support them um as authors like beyond just like writing their books like what else do they need from us as mm-hmm. a community and i'm i'm just so so excited like we have amazing people coming up we interviewed brit bennett who's the author of the mothers and the vanishing half mm. um We also interviewed Gabrielle Union, who's an incredible actress and celebrity who really shares her vulnerability with us and talks about just, like, her her love of, like, reading and what she read as a little girl with her sister. So, like, we get into their lives. We try to go as deep as possible. And Mm -hmm. that has always been my dream, just, like, being close with readers and it's so awesome to now like call so many of them friends and like work with them oh we interview Jacqueline Woodson who is the homie and has an incredible new organization called Baldwin for the Arts that mm. creates like a safe space for writers to create their work so she talks to us about that it's just like I mean it's I I mean, it's a dream life, like knock on wood. I just want to like keep doing it forever. It, like, I feel like so privileged and blessed to be like, yeah, my job is to talk to people about books, talk to authors and art- artists about like their work, like mm-hmm. in what world, you know, I don't think I would have known I was getting like my degree in college. Yeah. <laughs> like this would be my job, you know? So I hope that like answers
1: your question. No, that's great. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> and I, like, I know our experience with, with, overdue has been, like, you know, we, we've done all this, like, very reader centric work and just the community that is coalesced around that has been so like rewarding and and fun to to be a part of. So, yeah, I'm I'm book people are good people is so my yeah, so is good. my top if line takeaway. Yeah. You need takeaway, any yeah. other
2: like book influencer recommendations, if you want to introduce like if you want me to introduce you to anyone, like I will I cuz I have so many awesome friends I would love to come on here and talk <laughs> to you about books. I'm sure like you have a long list
1: already, but if you need more <laughs> Please send them our way. We'd love to have them. Um,
0: And then just to to wrap up, so where can people find more of you and more from Well-Read Black Girl?
2: Oh, yes. So... For sure. Um, you can go to wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you go, download mm-hmm. the Well Read Black Girl podcast first and then follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram account that like kind of serves as our hub where we talk to people. You can slide in my DMs with nice book recommendations, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's just like at Well Read Black Girl. If you Google it, it'll come up, but those are like the two best places.
1: That's great. Well, thank you so much um, and thanks again for recommending this cool book that we got to talk about.
2: It was so much fun. This is like, this was so awesome. You guys <laughs> did a great job. I really had a good time. <laughs> good I can tell you, you read, and too. highlighted, took all your notes. Oh, yeah. Disha's going to um, be proud. I can't wait for her to listen. <laughs> oh, great.
1: That That is the one I think thing that makes us the most nervous when, when we cover, because we cover books, you know, obviously like stuff that's 400 years old and stuff that's six months old sometimes and that is always what makes me the most nervous when it's like oh god we're going to talk about their book I'm trying to think okay. yeah, I,
0: I think it was um Lailene paul the who wrote the bees
1: she, oh yeah yeah th-
0: and th- this was a few years ago at this point i think it was the first like brush that we had with it where like she was just on twitter tweeting at our account being like oh yeah this this episode's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs>
1: that's so awesome and and it's not a thing that we built the show to be to like be really Author engaged with. And so, like, we, it's been interesting to do that when we have. Mm. um,
2: Yeah. I think it's good. And it's hard, too, because sometimes we would have people come to the book, like authors come to the book club. And, you are you know, you would have an honest discussion. And some yeah. of the book club members are like, actually, chapter five, sentence four. Mm, like, yeah, right. I'm not into it. So, you know, it, you have, it's a fine line because mm-hmm. we want to be honest about our critiques. But that, I think at the end of the day, that's what authors want. They want. They want their work to be engaged with and critiqued. And, I mean, I think it's fair. And you guys are doing a great job. So. Thanks. thanks thank you thanks for having me on and
1: thank you for making the time really appreciate it